what we like to hear. All right. So I don't know if anybody heard anything that I said to start that whole uh, deal the first time around, but uh, we're back. I'm willing to take your guys' calls right off the bat. I don't have any special guests. I don't have Paul Fritchner with me. We're doing takeaways from the Bahamas, takeaways from this offseason, and we're starting off with Southern Muskie right now. Uh, what do you got for us? Yeah, you know, it's so early right now because we're still in the month of August. We still have a handful of months to go until games are actually played, meaningful games, I guess to put it that way, and practices full-time. Rick, what – I guess out of the players you've seen so far, not just in games, but practices and all that, who do you think preseason-wise would be Xavier's go-to guy out of the guys we have? So the game's on the line. We need someone to score points. We need someone to make the stops. The ball's going to that individual. Who do you think that individual is right now? I think the best player right now is Desmond Claude. Now, that being said, if it's an end-of-game situation, I'm not so sure that Quincy Oliveri isn't involved in the play that you draw. Like, there's a good chance there's an option for Quincy Oliveri to get an open shot in that scenario, too, because those were the two leading scorers in the Bahamas, and I don't think that was a fluke or, uh, you know, something that was, was going to throw fans off. I think that's something you'll come to expect this season. Both of those guys are going to score a lot of points. Quincy is just so important for this team because they lack shooting, and he is as pure as it gets from the outside. I mean, he has such a great stroke. So I think it's one of those two guys. Desmond looked like the best player in both games in the Bahamas for either team. So I thought that was a really good sign for Xavier fans. Yeah, I agree. And just one last comment because I want everybody to get their chance to talk and all that. I, he, Claude's going to be a vital piece, in my opinion. I think if he does make that jump, which there are signs that he is, it's going to be very in a very good way interesting to see what this team can do in a very loaded conference um, in terms of who we're going to be competing against, you know, who we can beat and all that. Um, but, yeah, I, I agree with that. So, I'll go ahead and just go on mute. You can take me off audio and let everybody else. But thanks for answering that. Appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. Thanks for checking in. That's Southern Muskie. And uh, we've got another call here from John Carter. JC, what's going on? Oh, I'm unmuted now. Can you hear me? We got you. Hey, man. Thanks for uh, bringing me in early on here in the game. Uh, you sounded like you were hopped up on cocaine just a few minutes ago, but uh, I guess you're not. Hmm. Well, well, let's not let's not rule anything out, but yeah, my, my audio was screwed up. Yeah, yeah. Um, the uh, the Bahamas thing, I watched that. You know, uh, kind of video kind of sucked, but uh, couldn't get much from it. I'm I'm like really pumped about this Purdue game. Uh, and <laughs> how are we going to? Uh, mesh up with Purdue. What's your thoughts on that? Is there any f-ing chance we can pull that one out of our ass? Well, all right. We're uh, we're starting off the R-rated calls early. I like it, John. <laughs> um, I, I, well, I look, I think if you look at Purdue, they're really good. And last year, what they did in the regular season was impressive. But then you also saw them in the postseason. And you saw that there are game plans that I think can take Zach Eady out of the game somewhat and really put the pressure on their backcourt. And I think Xavier has a strong backcourt. So that's probably going to be the game plan as much as you can make it. That is to, can 
Abu and Kashi and Logan and whoever else is involved in defending the post do a good enough job to make this game more about Xavier's backcourt versus Purdue's backcourt. If that's what the game is about, then I think Xavier definitely has a chance. The problem is you got to find a way to stop Zach Eady from going for 40 or 50 points. And I think that remains to be seen if Xavier has the guys to do that. Now, now I will say, I think people are worried about the front court right now and, and understandably so to some extent, but I thought the defense looked good in the Bahamas. Now, maybe that's because of the competition they were playing, but I don't, I didn't see a big issue with the defense, even in the interior. Yeah, I'm not sure we can uh, base anything off of the, the teams we played in the Bahamas. And, but and but I noticed you didn't say Fremantle. Is do you think Fremantle is going to move to you know some other position that's not primarily post? And uh, well, well, no, I just I, I was just talking about the centers. I mean, Fremantle is mostly going to play power forward. And let's face it, if we're talking about guys you want trying to stop Zach Eady, I don't think Zach Fremantle defensively is the first guy that comes to mind, right? I mean, Zach's obviously going to be a big part of what you do yeah. offensively, but defensively, I'm not like, oh, that's the Zach Eady stopper, Zach Fremantle. There he goes. So there was no in- intention on non-mention of Fremantle there. It's just... Uh, no, yeah, I think he'll play. I think he'll be starting gonna, at the forward spot. Who's going to go up against Zach Eady and shut him down? Maybe take his legs out. I don't know. Yeah, well, you got to use the uh, the old... Terrence Payne <laughs> scout uh, against against UMass and, and Marcus Camby back in the day, right? Yeah. You throw out your goon, Terrence Payne, bring him off the bench and let him go wild. So I've got to go to that Purdue game. Um, I noticed tickets are like, you can only buy in the upper level. Should I wait out or for uh, you know a better selection to go on, go on sale or any, any well, feedback there? I will have to let that call or let that question be open to the rest of the fans out there. Cause I haven't paid for tickets to a game or had to try to get tickets to a game in 15 years. So I, I really don't know. Fair enough. I'll uh, appreciate you. Let me uh, chat and uh, I'll let you turn it over to somebody else. Appreciate you, Paul. Uh, Rick, I'm sorry. I called you Paul. All right. Let's <laughs> say I've been called much, much worse things than Paul. Trust me. That's better than I deserve. So I'll take it. Thanks, John. Thank you. All right. Let's bring in uh, Coop is up next. And uh, after Coop, I don't see any other calls. So if you want to get in here, make sure to join in. We'll continue to talk. We're talking takeaways from the Bahamas and whatever else is on your mind from this offseason for Xavier. Coop, unmute yourself. What do you got? Yeah, Rick. Um, I don't have a question or comment. I I hit request <laughs> as soon as uh, you said we were taking R-rated calls. Yes. And, uh, I just wanted to come on here and just cuss if that was okay. Uh, sure, why not? All right. Uh sh- Thank you, Coop. Yep. Our show's going well. Back in midseason form already. That did not take long. Thank you, guys. Uh, that was Coop. All right, so no, uh, all, all lines are open right now. No other callers lined up. So I was mentioning back when we started this show, and I have no idea what you guys heard or how much of it sounded like I was on cocaine and what came through or what didn't. So uh, I was talking about how Xavier played fast in the Bahamas. And I thought that was a sign that we're probably going to see a style of play that's very similar to what we saw last season, where they're trying to push the tempo, score early in the shot clock with uh, guards pushing it all the way to the rim or quick kick out threes or duck-ins in the post. Uh, They had 83 possessions in the first game, which is a ton. And they had even more in the second game against, obviously, a terrible team and uh, Bahamas raw talent elite. 
So, I mean, either of those two from a possession standpoint, 83 or 88 possessions, would have been right at the, the most that Xavier had in any game last season. So, again, I don't know how much you take from those games, but I think stylistically it's a sign that you can probably expect Xavier to continue to play up-tempo and push the pace. Uh, before we get into some more takeaways, let's take a call from Matt. All right, Matt, unmute yourself. Hey, can you guys hear me? We can, yes. We can, yes. Okay, uh, I just wanted to ask. I've seen a lot of like Big East previews, uh, all this kind of stuff from people, and it's always like, oh, I think Villanova is a top 15 team in Providence, maybe a top 15 team. And I just wanted to know, do we really think, uh, or Rick, your thoughts, do we really think that uh, Kim English and Kyle Neptune are going to be finishing higher in the Big East than Sean Miller and Rick Pitino? It's a good point. It's a good point. Uh, well, hold on. I'm getting crazy echo. Where are you calling from, Matt? Are you in a tunnel? No, I'm on my laptop, so it might be kind of bad. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to mute your mic. There we go. So I don't have to hear that feedback. I'll unmute you after I finish talking if you want to get back in here. Actually, now I don't what, – what, what did you What did you even ask? The, 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 Matt, I'll, I, I just lost Matt. I just lost. What did Matt even ask me? I don't even remember. The, the the echo threw me off so much. I have no idea what Matt even wanted to talk to me about. Oh, it was the, it was uh, the, it was about the coaches. That's right. It was about Rick Pitino and Sean Miller, and if they're going to actually finish behind Neptune and Kim English. Here's the thing about that. This time of year, most of those polls and prognostications are based on the talent. How much talent do you have coming back? What would you do in the transfer portal? What's your recruiting class look like? And from that standpoint, I can understand why the Big East projections are what they are. I think Xavier has a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things that they have to get right. I think those teams' rosters are probably more set up for instant success than Xavier. But the point about coaching, it's like, am I, am I going to put money down on, on Neptune or English to figure finish higher than Sean Miller or Rick Pitino? Absolutely not. So uh, I think there's it, the Big East is going to be the way it typically is. There will be a team or two at the top that are clearly better than the rest. Then there's going to be about five, six, seven teams jumbled up in a mix that battle it out all year, and the teams that take care of business best will kind of rise to the top and get a good seed in the NCAA tournament. But really, they won't be that much better than the teams that are getting the 9 and 10 seed that are a few spots behind them in the Big East. And then you'll have your uh, your dregs of the conference like you always do that are at the bottom, just one or two teams like DePaul. But, uh, for, I mean, I, just, I think a lot of times when we talk about the Big East – and the preseason predictions were splitting hairs with so many of these teams because they're so closely contested when the season actually gets going. All right, we've got Southern Muskie wanting to get back in here, so we'll bring back it in. Sorry about the whole situation there, Matt, with the call, but that echo was just crazy. All right, Southern Muskie, what's up? <laughs> back at it again. <laughs> um, so I do have a question because this has been a hot button issue, hot button topic, hot topic, however you want to define it. Realignment. So we've had a lot of moving parts pieces go about, you know, with the Pac-12, Big 12, and all that. What's your take on the Big East, per se? So I know there's a lot of questions about finances, TV contracts, and all that. The most recent article that I read that was a handful of months ago was the Big East is in good position because we have a really good basketball conference. 
very attractive on all that. So I think my question to you is, is it, you know, should the Big East look at expanding right now? Are we in, you know, is it something we should be focusing on? If so, who should we bring in? Or do you think we're in a position where we could just sit and wait to see what happens, given that I know the ACC has a lot of question marks, if that conference is even going to survive here in the next less than a handful of years? I just think from a Xavier standpoint, there are always going to be a number of schools and basically it's the schools that you're already grouped with right now. And there's maybe a few others and they're kind of like the in-between schools that have been talked about before, but nobody really wants to add them. Maybe like a St. Louis, um, something, you know, teams like that, that might be the next in line that will have to fill a spot or two for you. But for the most part, there are always going to be this group of schools that are basketball only schools that play basketball at a high level still that are, essentially going to be a high major if not slightly lower than that like high major ish conference i don't see that ever going away so if it's my guess is the big east will be fine but even if it's not if somehow you know the yukon does leave and that leads to another team or two wanting to to break off into the acc somehow or something like that or, or join some of those acc teams in another conference whatever I, I, there will always be something for Xavier to fall back on, that'll be just the basketball only schools that are still good. And I, I, that's the way I look at it. I just think there will always be a conference like that for Xavier. Do you think expanding out West makes any well, sense? I, we're seeing conferences doing it right now. So for the biggies with Gonzaga and St. Mary's, and if you want to throw in San Fran, you know, and all the, and, I don't want to say Pepperdine. I feel like that's going to dilute the league a little bit. But is it makes sense to go out west for a conference that's so focused on the East Coast and, you know, dabbles in a little bit of the Midwest, like Xavier and Creighton? Sure. For, for me, it makes sense. Yeah, I want to see Xavier play against Gonzaga twice a year. But I, I don't have to take any flights, and I don't care what happens to the volleyball programs at any of these schools or the swimming. Like, I don't know. Logistically, I haven't looked into any of the other sports and what it would cost and what that means for them. But, yeah, from a basketball standpoint, hell yeah, add Gonzaga and St. Mary's. That would be fun as hell. But I just doubt that's realistic. Um, I'm the same. I've, I've got the exact same. I, besides Gonzaga, I'd say if you're bringing in Gonzaga, you got to bring in St. Mary's. That's I want that as a package deal. And they go from there. Yeah, those are the um, only two schools that I would really care about expanding for, though. Like any of the other fringe schools that, you know, like maybe they're good enough. That does nothing for me. The league is great as it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, that's it. I'll, I'll, let anybody, I'll let everybody else go at All right. it. All right. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Southern Muskie for the second time tonight. All right, no other requests in right now. And again, I know we've had the issue in the past where I can't always see all the requests. So if that's happening to you right now, I apologize. But right now, I have no requests aside from Dad, who just popped in. So uh, we will welcome in Dad. Once again, as we've explained in the past, this is not my dad. This is just a man who goes by the name Dad on Twitter. Dad, how are we? Doing well, Rick. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. So every, everything's good. You're, you've got everybody to bed that needs to be to bed already. Uh, not quite. My my mom is actually here in the other room with the baby. So if you hear him screaming, uh, that's that's not on me. Well, he's just getting ready for the season. That's right. Yelling at the refs. That's right. Got a couple of questions for you. I, I guess Xavier's going to have fourteen scholarship players. It looks like for this uh, year. Yeah, I mean fourteen guys that will be looked at as scholarship players. That'll be real 
potentially parts of the rotation, um, not walk on players, but obviously one of them will not be able to be a scholarship player. They'll have to find right. another way to make up yeah, that money N- for them. NIL or whatever. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So does that, that mean we're going to lose like walk-ons like the mullet? No, you can have more, more players that, in fact, if you looked at Xavier last year, they had more than 15 players on the roster, I believe. Right. And then assuming that uh, Fremantle will be ready to play at the beginning of the year. And, and if Jerome gets clearance to play, um, what do you think the, um, the rotation number is going to look like? I know they were, they were playing, what, about seven last year. Do you think that would be the eight to ten? Or how do, you, how do you feel based off what you've seen and knowing that not everybody's at least been in practices yet? Um, and I guess that's a secondary question. Is every everyone now in school and at practice? Uh, so everyone is there. Everyone is at Xavier. Lazar has made it from Serbia to Xavier. Gidas has obviously been there since before they left from the Bahamas. So right. everybody is there. In terms of practicing, Zach Fremantle has not been working out with the team for um, pretty much all summer. I mean, there was a little bit of non-contact stuff, but that's about it. Uh, Cam Kraft has not been working out with the team or practicing all summer and still isn't. And obviously now Jerome is not working out or practicing with the team. So those three will not be on the court and not in workouts for the most – or I shouldn't say that. Cam, I I know, is lifting and and doing some workouts. Zach will be lifting and doing some workouts, uh, but they won't be on the court and full contact stuff right now. So that's kind of where the roster situation is at. In terms of how many they're going to play, I think the answer to that question is the rotation's never going to be more than – eight nine guys you know early in the year when you're playing those first several non-conference games you might get up to 10 possibly 11 if you've got a a freshman that you're trying to get in there this year it might be a little bit extended because you have so many bodies but when you get into real competition and you get into conference play you're not going to see more than eight guys out there regularly yeah that's what i was thinking as well but with the speed that they are they're trying to play at you know, that was, you know, one of the questions that I'd have is, you know, are they capable of playing more than eight? Well, but but also let's keep in mind, they're pushing the ball on offense and being opportunistic, but it's not like they're St. John's pressing you the entire game and playing 90 feet both ways, right? Like it's not just fly right. up and down the court, fast break basketball at all times. It is a calculated, let's try to score early in possessions and take advantage of the defense before they're set style of basketball. And while that will create some more possessions on offense, I don't think it's a style. I mean, you saw at the end of the year last year, they didn't have many bodies at all, and they were still playing that way. Yeah. All right, cool. I appreciate it, uh, new dad. Yeah, well, old dad, thank you. Good to hear from you. you. Indeed. All right, back to the guy who I uh, I crushed earlier. Matt is back. Matt, I'm sorry. I panicked when I heard the echoes in the background. I tried to mute your mic. I removed you from calls. I apologize. Oh, no worries. Is it better now? Or? Yeah, it's all clean. Okay. I just had a question about Lazar. Um, do we think – or do you think um, – like, is he capable – or what do you see his role as? Is he going to be able to, like, legitimately play, like, the five spot? and defend a center, do you think? Or is that maybe just more of a four? Or what do you see him as? That's going to be the most interesting thing is when we actually get him out on the floor. Because, like, when they first landed Gitas, I was thinking more interior help. And now looking at him, it's like, eh, 
that's more of a perimeter player that can slide down, be an undersized four, maybe rebound and shoot the three. Lazar is a perimeter player as well in terms of his style of play um, in a lot of ways. Like if I talked about on the most recent podcast that, you know, a year ago or so he was being touted as like a six, eight wing. And, um, you know, now he's six, nine, six, 10, and he plays inside a bit more. He played mostly the power forward spot uh, when he was playing with the FIBA 19U team for Serbia. I think he's probably more of a forward, but in this day and age in college basketball, I don't think he's all that different from like Jack Nunchi at the five, right? He's, he's not quite as long, okay. not quite as tall, yeah. but I don't think he's a lot different than that in terms of his style of play. Now, again, this is without me ever having seen him in person. So maybe I'll feel differently when I right. actually see him in practice against American players. But uh, based on what I've seen so far, I think he is a forward that is, is going to be really effective in the same way that Jack Nungy was in Sean Miller's system, meaning he can be that guy at the top of the three or at the top of the key that can hit the trailer three. He's comfortable with the ball in his hands doing dribble handoff stuff. He can do high low passing with whoever the other big man is. Uh, he's going to be able to do a lot of that stuff. And then he has enough size and length and athleticism to also be effective around the basket as well. So Again, I don't have a great answer for that question yet because I just need to see him in person more to to get a great feel for how he's going to fit yeah. in. But my hunch is that they see him being a guy that can give them a little versatility versatility between those two spots based on where their current roster situation is at. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I'd take another Jack Nundy. Yeah, sure. and, and and to be clear, um, I don't know that he's you know, going to be as good as Jack or whatever. But like in terms of how they will yeah. use him, that's kind of the the style of player I can see him being. Gotcha. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I, and, and also, I mean, I know like I, I hate comparisons and I don't like to use former Xavier legends to compare to Ken coming freshmen, but I've seen some people throw out the Justin Dolman comparison for Lazar. I don't think that's a bad one. I gotta be honest, watching the style of player that he is a guy that can handle the ball a little bit, shoot from the outside a little bit, but ultimately is more of a, a forward and, and he can rebound and help you in in the front court. I think he can be that type of guy. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to see what he develops into. Kevin, I'm bringing you in right now. Go ahead and unmute yourself. All right. Sorry. Uh, I know NKU's shown a lot of early interest on Trey. And I'm curious if Sean Miller's been sniffing around Trey Broering yet. And if there's an offer on No, Trey. we're just glad that Sean knows my name. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> so we haven't bothered him too much with the recruitment of my son just yet. Um, you know, NKU came strong with an offer minutes after he was born. So we had to go ahead and accept on the spot, but keep in mind that you're at best, if he takes after his parents, you're probably getting like a good manager or maybe a photographer, something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. And then last question, are you still, have you had a chance since Trey's been born to, to have a nice, uh, LIT in the LAT or, any, you know, had a chance to have a couple drinks? I really haven't, to be honest with you. Um, weirdly, I just haven't been drinking much at all. My, uh, It wasn't like a thing I did because my wife couldn't drink. I wasn't like doing it in support or anything. But I just realized that if we don't go out and do social things, I don't really ever drink at the house. So, uh, no, I haven't really gotten back to drinking much just because we haven't been out a lot. But I'm sure at some point when the, the fall weather comes and the, the air is right, I will be on a rooftop at Braxton or something like that. Love to hear it. Well, congrats. Congrats. We're happy for you. Thanks, Kevin. Appreciate it.
All right, Kevin was cutting out there. I'm not sure if you guys heard all of that, but uh, much appreciated. Anybody else got any calls? If not, we'll get back to a, a few other things that I had from the Bahamas trip. Southern Muskie, what's up? All right, one more topic. I know I'm talking. No, 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 you're good. So you're good. Keeping the show right. going. <laughs> so, um, obviously loaded this year. You have three teams in UConn. Marquette and Creighton that could not only make final four runs, but with UConn repeating, could win the national title. You have Villanova that's sitting at fourth, but it's a question mark as to can Kyle Neptune step up to the plate and actually yep. get Nova over the hump. And then you have, of course, Patino, you have us, and then you have Kim English, which I'm, it baffles me a little bit that People, you know, I know it's Providence fans, so take it what it is, are saying they're going to be better than Xavier for what it is. But could you actually see these seven teams, all of them, get into the tournament um, come March if everything plays out? And I know this relies on what other bubble teams or other teams in that matter, what they do in their season. But can you see the Big East getting seven teams in to the the tournament it's always going to be tough i've been feeling though looking at the way this year's shaping up that it is definitely a six team year it feels pretty likely that you're going to see six big east teams get in this year and maybe i'll maybe you know maybe they're they'll all stink in the non-conference and they'll they won't set themselves up for that but assuming some of these teams take care of business in non-conference play i think six is very likely and seven is in play I would never say seven is likely. That seems really hard. But can I put you on the spot? And who's the seventh team that's not going to do it? Who's going to finish seventh in the conference to knock it in? I think Providence has a chance to be the disappointing yeah, there team. You go. Because well, if, if we're talking about that group so of teams that I, you I, just I, talked about that don't feel like sure things, it's like, do you feel pretty good that Sean Miller's team and Rick Patino's team probably will overachieve? Yes. Yes, I do. Then it's like Neptune and, and Kim English, a little more worried about them, but I think I have more confidence in Neptune and Villanova's program and where their roster is at as a whole than I do Kim English and Providence. I, I know Providence has returning pieces, but I, if, if, I, if I see any of those teams underachieving, Providence is the one. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Be, new coach coming from George Mason to coach Big East and all that. Yeah, no, I agree. Um Cool. Yeah. Six. Yeah. I, I think there is a chance. I think non-conference has to go out pretty well for all seven. I think in conference, you can't, you know, lay some eggs, you know, like DePaul and Seton Hall. Actually, here's the, here's one question. Do you think DePaul does, will DePaul not finish last this season? I think they'll finish last. Do you think, you think they're, you think Seton Hall, who has been very, it sounds like they've been very quiet with their recruiting this offseason, you think they're going to be beating DePaul to stay out of the basement, to, to like be bottom? Yeah, what do you want me to say it again? Yeah, You're acting like I'm saying something crazy here that DePaul's not going to be good. No, I think DePaul will suck again. That's what they do. They're DePaul. Yes. <laughs> My answer's not going to change on that. I mean, they're probably back, but they suck. Yeah. <laughs> That was a great answer. I love it. Um, I have nothing else. Thanks again for the third time, Rick, taking my call. I All good. It. We'll <laughs> talk to you again in a few minutes here. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yep. All right. 
uh, again, f- few minutes here. If you guys want to take calls, like I'm, I'm down to hang out. We don't have anybody else lined up. Uh, just running through a few of the other things that I took away from playing the Bahamas. I thought the backcourt to me looks solidified already. I don't think you're going to see a lot of, of change there from the starting lineup that we saw or the way those minutes are distributed in the backcourt. Davion McKnight looked great running the team, I thought. He looked polished. He looked like he understood what Sean wanted him to do in terms of trying to call his own number when the opportunity is there, pushing it all the way, but also kicking it out and getting the offense moving when it's not. I thought Quincy Oliveri was exactly what Xavier fans want, wanted him to be coming into this year, which is the sniper. I mean, he hit five threes in the second half of that second game, scored 21 points in like eight minutes or whatever it was. That's what this offense needs. And uh, Quincy Oliveri looks like he's up to the task. And then Desmond Claude looked like the best player all three or all uh, both games. So those three guys, to me, like solidified starters. And I think they're all three going to be good. Then after that, I thought the taking one of the big takeaways was the way the freshmen played. I thought Trey Green looked like Trey Green. That's exactly who I expected him to be. Microwave score. Are there going to be some questions with his size? Are there going to be some questions about his ability to, to guard guys and stay in front of certain players? Of course. But he's also going to come in and immediately look for his shot and give your offense a spark and be able to give you 13 points in like 10 minutes and also give you another shooter to go along with Oliveri. I think he looks like the backup point guard pretty clearly and – I think that's going to be a good thing for Xavier. And then the other thing was Kashienze looked like a revelation. I think, you know, he's a guy that's so, that was so raw in terms of his basketball experience. I did not expect him to be a guy that would be in the starting lineup to be maybe their best big man. I don't think that's necessarily a hot take. It's, it's between him or Abu Usman right now. And I thought Kashi with his versatility defensively, the way he moved his feet, and the way he rebounds out of area was probably the more impressive of the two out of two exhibition games that don't mean a whole lot. So I'm definitely going to be watching those two when practice gets going. But I thought Trey Green and Kashi both looked good from the freshman class. The other two guys, I mean, Dalen Swain, Sean Miller talked about it with me before they left for the Bahamas. He probably has the highest upside out of any of the four freshmen. May, now they have five with Lazar. Maybe Lazar they would view as a, a higher upside player. But – uh, Dalen Swain could potentially even be an NBA type talent if he puts all the tools together. He's long. He can handle the ball. He can make plays. He can shoot a little bit. I think he can defend as he continues to to get a better understanding of how to play team defense. But he didn't show very well in the Bahamas. And then Reed Descharm really struggled in that first game, but then played great in the second game with 17 points and and knocked down a couple of threes. So I think that was that was good to see out of out of him. And uh, I I just, I don't know what to expect out of those two guys this first year. I don't think there's a ton of opportunity for them to get big minutes, but um, when Cam Kraft gets back, I think it's kind of going to be those three battling it out for those extra minutes on the wing. Um, The other thing we talked a little bit about was the defense. I thought the defense was, was good. Now, how much of that was Xavier playing good defense and how much of it was the lack of competition that they saw in the Bahamas, Tough exactly to say, but I think Abu and and Kachi definitely contributed to the defense. And, you know, they only give up 0.83 points per possession against UVic and 0.64 points per possession against Raw Talent Elite. That's outstanding defense in terms of your efficiency numbers. So I thought that was good. And then finally, the the last thing for me was Gitas Namaksha. You go in, he lands on Thursday, gets to Xavier on Thursday night 
goes through his physical on Friday. I think maybe he did like a walkthrough or workout with the team on Saturday before they left Sunday. And then probably a, a walkthrough or two once they got a practice, maybe once they got to the Bahamas. And then he's thrown into the mix in an exhibition game without really knowing anything about the system or any of that. And I thought it looked like he could play a little bit. I mean, he had seven points, 10 rebounds, 16 minutes of play. Five of those rebounds were on the offensive end which is something that if you read the impact article that I put on musketeerreport.com, that was something that a scout had told me that he's, he's an effective rebounder, especially on the offensive end. And they think that'll translate to big East play. So a guy that could help you at the, the, the four position primarily and possibly some at the three as well, kind of in a similar spot as Jerome Hunter would play those, those three and four spots. I think he looks like a guy that might be able to help you right away. So uh, those were, my biggest takeaways from the Bahamas, the things that really stood out to me. Again, we'll wrap this up by taking some of your guys' thoughts, getting your takeaways from the Bahamas, the offseason, the new additions internationally, whether it be Gidis or Lazar. Anything else that you guys want to get to here, we'll go for another 10 minutes or so. And uh, we got Dad back on the line, and then we got uh, Kashienze Fan Club. Dad, what's going on? I got uh, none of the above question for you. Um, normally my sons and I go to the uh, Thanksgiving tournament and since this year they've moved it from Charleston to Vegas and that's now F1 weekend. No way I'm, are, are we going to Vegas for the F1 weekend. Yeah. Um, but I was thinking about maybe traveling to one of the Big East away games. So can you give me like two or three of the best what you would consider? Understanding that you don't pay for the tickets. Yeah. But, for, but uh, some of the best arenas. Well, let, let me ask you this. Have, have, you, have you been to Madison Square Garden yet? Oh, yes. Been there okay. twice. Plan okay. on going back again in March. Yeah. Okay. So I was, I was going to say that is like to me the trip that you should definitely make. Oh, I, I agree with that 100%. Let me throw out two that maybe not on your radar as much potentially. Creighton and Providence. Okay. I think both of those you'll get incredible atmospheres, especially this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, in terms of the area around the arenas, I hear really good things about. I think those would be the two that I would be looking to, to go to. Yeah, I was actually in Providence last September a year ago, just getting states in for my wife to get her 50 states. And that's a beautiful area up there. Uh, we stayed a couple of days, so I agree with you there. And I've been out to um, Omaha. Omaha before, not for a basketball game, but for business. So I've, I've been to both of those cities anyway. So those would be the two that you'd recommend? I think so, yeah. I mean, you know, St. John's would obviously, we're going back to the Madison Square Garden thing. I would go see them there, but you're better off just going to the Big East Tournament if you're going to do right. that. Um, Seton Hall, no way you want to go to that arena instead of just going to the Big East tournament. Um, Butler, obviously not. You can make that trip anytime you want. Yeah. Uh, I've I've been to the barn, so I don't don't feel like going back to the barn. Right, exactly. So, I mean, who who else are we missing that might be interesting here? um, Who has the the newer arena? Was that DePaul? DePaul has a new arena, which is great. It's in Chicago. If you want to go to Chicago, I just, that's obviously not as fun of a game to, to go to, Um, but Chicago can be a fun trip. And the great thing about that new arena, if you go to Wintrust arena in Chicago, stay at the Marriott that's attached to it. It's amazing. You can walk right across the skywalk into the arena and you don't have to go out in the cold or anything. It's great. Very good. No, I appreciate it. And hopefully this time, I'll, the last few times I've been to the Big East tournament, it's been 
want it done for Xavier. So hopefully it's uh, a little better this year. Yeah, I think it's a, a little bit different era in terms of Xavier at the Big East tournament. So yes, indeed. you should be good. I agree. Thanks again. All right. Thank you. All right. Over to Kashienze Fan Club. I, I just wanted to come on and, and I heard Kachi Inzi's name get dropped, so obviously I had to hop on. Um, I, I think if you looked in the Bahamas, you know, when I first read about Kachi, I saw 6'9", you know, junior Olympic gold medalist, supposed like 44-inch vert, 7'6 arms, and it's like I, I didn't know what to expect because when, when you read articles about him, you know, he's almost written like like – uh, he's from another planet. Well, well hold on. Really, can, can I interject there? Xavier yeah. just landed a player from Lithuania and a player from Serbia. And I had 10 times the amount of video of both of those players to review than I did for Kachi. Oh my gosh. I went on Kachi's huddle account. I'm like one of 30 viewers on his <laughs> huddle account. And he looks really dominant, but it doesn't look like very high caliber basketball. And so I think that a lot of what we saw in the Bahamas is a very similar thing where you've got an athlete who is unbelievable, right? And he's going against talent that maybe isn't as athletic or as polished. But the thing that I hold out hope for with Kachi is they look like a lot of polish in his his box outs and the way he chase rebounds. But I think, you know, Gitas and Lazar obviously both concern me in terms of playing minutes, but I think they play such a different style, those two and Kachi, that it's not going to cut into his minutes as much because I think he is right now looking like the guy who can run alone at the five position outside of Abu. Yeah, exactly right. I think he is the perfect complement to both of those two other guys because he's what they aren't and they're what he's not. And I think too, if you look at like, I, I, I looked at Logan Duncombe and I mean, I, I, I don't want to, you know, say anything bad about the kid, but he just doesn't really jump off the screen at me. I think I told one of my friends, I said, he looks like Cesar, but he can't jump. And that's kind of all Cesar had, which I love Cesar. But um, I think if you want a guy who's going to go out and going to be able to move laterally really well in switches as a five, get you rebounds, he could stretch the floor a touch. I think he's still very raw, but there's so much opportunity, I think, in terms of you got Abu. Abu's your center. But there's questions if you want to run Zach at center, if he can play at center. There's questions about Duncan. I think Kachi could look at minutes pretty early here. I don't disagree with you at all. In fact, I think he's very much in the mix to potentially even be a starter. Like, if you're asking me right now who is Xavier's best big man, I'm going with Kachi, especially with the way that they want to play. The, getting up and down the court and using their big men for those early duck-ins and, and quick fouls on the defense – and being lob threats in the ball screen motion offense, Kashi can do all of that stuff right away. I mean, he runs the floor more fluidly than the other two big men. He's a better athlete. He's longer. He's fat, all those things. And he's given you the, the defense in theory. Now, we need to see how well he understands the system and team defense and all of that. But he showed some things physically with his ability to close out on the perimeter and then shuffle towards the baseline, keep a guy in front of him, cut him off. Those types of things laterally that, not a lot of big men have, and the the tools are definitely there on the defensive end that maybe you can play like he and Lazar together and Lazar be more of your offensive piece. And, and again, it's kind of like that Zach Fremantle, Jerome Hunter or Jack Nunji, Jerome Hunter situation where one of them's kind of your rebounder defender and do the dirty work around the rim, 
get the fouls, quick duckins, whatever. And the other guy is more of your skilled offensive piece, the trailer three guy, the guy who you play through a little bit more. I think that could very much be a similar tandem this year for those guys. Yeah, Rick, I mean, you're you're just preaching the choir right now. You're making me feel so good because it's like it's one of those things. I mean, I, I bought in early on this guy and man, it's so, so good to see him get some success. And you, of all people, have just been hyping this guy up with your reporting. And it just it, I, I wake up every morning. And well, I love well, to, to be, see it. So I mean, but that's, I appreciate but that's recent love. stuff, right? I mean, like, because when he committed, I very much said, like, I don't exactly know what Xavier's getting in this guy. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, it's it's tough because, like you said, there is no yeah. film. I mean, he is – he's uh, – I mean, he's, he's this guy who – I don't know how high a level, you know, the school that he played at is. I know that his teammate – uh, Christian Bliss was oh, yeah, a the, big target of ours. The jo- the jo- George yeah. School plays in the in the, the those prep school leagues up there with all the big time programs. So that's legit competition that he was playing. But like the issue is, and you'll appreciate this. Like I was watching some highlights on Synergy of him, allegedly him on an AAU team last summer. There was another kid wearing the number that he was supposed to be wearing. He had already left the team. I had watched like three or four games of this kid, thinking it was Kachienze, and Xavier was about to get a commitment from him. It wasn't even the right kid. So, like, th- when you when I'm talking, it was hard to find information on this guy when he committed. It was difficult. I knew very little about him. And the things I had seen, it was like a raw athlete, and that's about all I can tell you. So, the 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 thing about Kashi and why I've been so high on him recently is just because he's so much farther ahead of what I expected in terms of his basketball acumen and Absolutely. and being able to contribute right away. I think I saw something uh, from some real small newspaper in Pennsylvania uh, that said, you know, Sean Miller sees him as an Aaron Gordon type at at Arizona. And I'm like, that's perfect because obviously Aaron's got the bounce. I think Kachi's probably faster. He's got longer arms. But Aaron nowadays, you know, he can step out. He can hit a jump shot. And he's a real contributor on a team where he's not just like the magic Aaron Gordon where he's just jumping. But like, I think with the tool he has and the way that Sean likes to mold players, I'm really interested to see what Sean wants him to end up doing. Because if he wants him to end up being a super athletic five, that's great. Or if he wants him to end up being Aaron Gordon, who plays the four and the three, that's great too. But I think I'm just so excited to see what Sean wants to do with him. I got so much trust that he's going to make him. So, so just to be player. clear, you think it'll be okay if Kashi Enze turns into a top five draft pick like Aaron Gordon? That'll be okay. That'll work out. I think. Okay. I'm okay. All right. I was just making that. sure when we start bringing up the Aaron Gordon comparison. So, all right. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for your call. Hey, thanks, you, Rick. All right. Over to Andy Pick. Who? Uh, big football game for Andy Pick tomorrow. Andy, I thought I liked Coop's tweet about you and Cap going at it tomorrow. How are you feeling about the big game? I mean, so I'm actually pretty jacked up. Me, myself, I've never been so anti-military, but this is the day we are anti-troops. We hate, we hate the Navy. The uh, Catholics versus the troops. What a, what a matchup this is. What, what do you got on the Xavier side of things? Yeah. On the Xavier side of things, so one thing, uh, like, so yeah, here I am. I'm about to watch the Reds uh, like, continue their playoff run. I'm about to watch Notre Dame beat up, the, beat up on the military, but here I am on a Saturday, Friday night. It's Friday, it's Friday. right? Um, it's Friday. Okay, cool. On a Friday and maybe Saturday night too. Well, the only only time will tell. Thinking about Xavier, 
And one thing I love about Xavier and the Sean Miller era is we don't look to rebuild. We look to reload. Here's a team with a bunch of question marks. But the biggest thing I'm thinking about is how we're going to reload at every single level, every single position. So we lose a big piece after this year. Think about the future. Who is our top prospect to replace Bradley Colbert? Uh, I'm not sure. There's got to be a kid in northern Kentucky with some sweet lettuce, I would imagine. I mean, I can grow my hair out. I have some eligibility. Any kids at Villa? Any kids at Villa Madonna rocking some flow? Is that still a school? What? Yeah, they changed their mascot name again, though. Yeah, yeah. Like they got the Vikings. We 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 wanted to change our our name since my freshman year, and they wait till after I graduate to change it from the Blue Lightning. Well, when I was being recruited to go to Villa Madonna back in the day, out of uh, Saint Pius the Tenth Elementary, they were the they were the Vipers, and then they went to the Blue Lightning. And now they're the Vikings. So uh, your, your, your old alma mater is out of control with the name change, Sandy. They, they have no idea what they're doing. They were the yeah. Vixens, and they allowed boys in the school. And apparently, there can't be a male Vixen. It's 2023. There could be a male Vixen. Uh, Andy, do you have anything relevant to talk about with Xavier basketball or uh, oh. just walk-on talk? Uh, um, so really, I actually do have some relevant stuff, but, you know, I can't, I can't actually be serious for, mo- for the entire time. I understand but, that. Yes. So, I mean, obviously, this, te- this is a team with some of, some big question marks. I mean, we got uh, – What's your biggest? All over the place. I mean, the biggest one is, I mean, obviously, the bigs, massive question mark. I mean, we talked a lot about um, our, our incoming freshman, Enze, and I, honestly, I'm very excited about him. He looks rather competent in, uh, in the Bahamas, which was a kind of a step up from what I was kind of – what I was expecting – but this is clearly going to be a guard-driven team. I'm kind of torn between what are your, what's your opinion between Davion McKnight and Quincy Oliveri? You mean like who's better or who's, who's going to be our guy between those between between those two? Well, I think a pretty different roles. Like you're going to split up some of the Sule Boom role here a, a bit between those two guys because Davion isn't the, the three-point shooter that Sule was or is. But he does give you some of the other stuff, the, the playmaking and uh, playing off of ball screens and the mid-range stuff and, and getting fouled. All of that he will do. And I think he will be an effective player. I think he will be a, a legit scorer and a legit part of Xavier's offense. Quincy, I think, will score a little bit more than Davion. And I think he will be the three-point shooter. That's going to be his calling card is he is going to be the go-to three-point shooter in this starting rotation. And until they prove they have another shooter in that starting mix, uh, he is going to be leaned on heavily for all those outside buckets. And do you think Trey Green can kind of work his way into that into that starting lineup and be that extra shooter on this, in, the, in the starting five? I don't think he's going to start. I, I It's just hard for me to believe that. But I definitely think he showed in the Bahamas. I mean, I was expecting – going into the year that Desmond Claude might be taking some reps at point guard. And we didn't see any of that. I mean, it was just Davion McKnight and then Trey Green was the backup point guard. So I think Trey Green has shown them enough to, to make it clear that he's going to be a contributor this year, but I expect that to be mostly in a, a backup role off the bench as the, the secondary ball handler. Now, I was a little shocked at how little we saw Des run the show. I, I think more of an off ball role. It kind of seems like a hundred percent. Yeah. I haven't seen him play on ball at all. And I think what you're seeing is he is kind of fully morphing into that Colby Jones role. 
You lost Colby as a playmaker on the wing and a driver, a guy that can, you know, we, we showed some of it with uh, Trey Scotty. If you, if I don't know if you saw any of that, Andy, but that some of that offensive breakdown stuff where we saw those clips of the zoom actions and Colby Jones coming downhill off those dribble handoffs. Now that's going to be Desmond Claude doing that. And I think, he fits that role really well because those two guys athletically and, and basketball skills wise are very similar. And I, I, obviously they kind of, they do kind of, they have the same build. They look, they look a little bit light. So it's like a natural comparison for, especially like a casual fan and, or a drunk fan like me. And so we naturally kind of morph Colby and Des together. And it's kind of nice to see the fact that we might actually be able to see that, now, Des, I don't. I truly don't think Dez is as smooth as Colby was, but the way he was able to is able to develop that um, skill around the rim. I thought his finishing ability in the in the Bahamas was miles above what we saw last year. Yeah, his he's much more confident, and his finishing package looked great in the Bahamas. His, I mean, just his strength and his athleticism when he's going to the basket is difficult to stop. The other thing about him, and this is where I think he's actually better than Colby, his handle is so tight. I mean, he really does have a combo guard or point guard-like handle, and he's playing the small forward. And even sometimes I think they went really small and played him as like the four in some of their lineups. So he's really giving you some serious ball-handling skills off the ball on the wing there. Well, a Des Claude at the four kind of just makes me all giddy inside. Yeah, now you're – I mean, like defensively, I'm sure that's not how it's all matched up or whatever, but just based on who was on the floor, it's like I think Des might be the four in this lineup. I'm not sure exactly how that works. So – it was uh, it was interesting. Trey Green, uh, Davion McKnight on the floor at the same time. Some that was the, probably the best part about the Bahamas was Sean played like every lineup combination you could possibly want to see. And the fact that we can mi- mix so many different guys together and still have a fluid offense. I, 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 I'm a little I do have a bit of question marks about our defense this year. I thought, oh, man, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. I've, I've drank a little too much, so I'm not going to uh, take too much of everybody's time. But uh, the the guy from North Texas, Abum Usman, I, I thought his in lateral defense and it, him on the interior was pretty solid. I don't know if you might disagree. You probably saw a different game than I did. No, but, I thought the defense was good. I thought uh, both games they played pretty well defensively. I mentioned earlier they gave up point eight three points per possession against UVic and point six four points per possession against the team from the Bahamas. Which both of those numbers are crazy good from an efficiency standpoint. And that's exactly the type of stats we can, ex- um, we can expect against UConn. Yeah, exactly right, the defending national champs. All right, Andy, I, I appreciate your right. call. Thank you. Yeah. All right, thank you, guys. Go, X. All right. Let's, let's take one more here. Flat coat, Mom X. Okay, can you hear me? I got you loud and clear. Okay, good. Well, Andy mentioned the future, so I, I want to talk about the future recruiting class. I thought maybe in August we'd hear something from that next class. And it commits, and we haven't gotten anything. Got any ideas of what's going on there? Uh, definitely. Do you subscribe to Musketeer Report? Yes. Okay. So um, obviously, you've seen the hot board. Those are kind of the top names right now. Now, one thing you got to keep in mind about this year that's a little bit different is they just finished up adding guys to this year's roster like two weeks ago. They were still adding guys at the end of July and August for this year. So when you have moving pieces like that and you're still trying to recruit the current class, it, you know, I, I just don't know how much of a prior, like obviously they, they have been out all summer and looking at 2024 recruits, but I just think everything's changed so much in terms of how much you prioritize that next year's 
recruiting class because I think you don't know exactly what you need yet. There's going to be so much change in your roster based on who can actually play this year and who turns out to be worthy Big East players. Then you're going to have the guys who leave your team, whether it's because they're they're so good they want to move on to the pros or someone offered them better NIL money or you just, they're just not quite good enough and they see it, they don't see enough opportunity here. They feel like they're being recruited over, so then they leave. So you have all these different players leaving that you have to account for, and then there's going to be new guys in the transfer portal next spring that you want to add. So in terms of like wondering why things aren't happening just yet, I think that's probably the biggest reason is that it's just not the priority the way it was before. If you didn't have commits by August or September in most years for your recruiting class, you'd be looking at it as it, you're behind the eight ball. But I look around the country and I talk to other coaches at other schools and it's a similar thing all across the country. Coaches just aren't focusing on the next year's recruiting class nearly as early. And they're not nearly as worried about filling it up because they know if there's missing pieces, they're just going to address it through the transfer portal in the spring. So I think that that's sort of the first part of your question is why haven't you heard anything yet? Then uh, in terms of, who they're looking at. I would just refer you back to the hot board. They have uh, a recruit coming in this weekend that I'll post more about um, Matthew Hodge, who uh, is a, like a power forward wing type face up guy that, that I'll give you a little bit more detail on. Uh, but I think, you know, really Jonathan Powell, six, 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 seven shooter on the wing already that they have committed is, is a good start to the class. And then aside from that, I mean, it, it might only be like one more high school recruit this fall and then they'll take it into the spring and kind of see what they need in the transfer portal and late additions next spring and summer. So I think it's going to be kind of a new way of roster building going forward to some extent. All right. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you for the question. All right. I think that does it. Uh, we've been going for a little bit over an hour here. So we'll do another one of these again here soon. Maybe when practice gets going here in a couple weeks for real. Right now they've got a couple more weeks of just workouts where you basically get eight hours a week. Four of them can be on court, so pretty much normal practices. You're installing offense and defense and all that stuff. And then four hours are workouts, conditioning, lifting weights, those types of things. So they'll do that for the next couple of weeks here as they start the school semester. And then the last week of September, they will start practicing for real. That'll be 42 days out from, they can start practice 42 days out from the first game, which is on November 6th. And uh, then they'll be going pretty much, you know, not every day, but most every day from that point until the start of the season. And we'll have plenty of coverage from those practices and insights coming your way. So uh, if you don't subscribe to musketeerreport.com right now, please do so. Uh, we we always have plenty of coverage on the recruiting side of things and also the current team. I have some more video stuff that I'm working on with Trey Scotty. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our breakdown of Sean Miller's offense from last season. I, I feel like it gives some good insight into what they were accomplishing, what they were trying to do that that made them so effective, especially early in possessions last year. And, and we've got some more stuff coming for you about how we can spin that forward, looking into Sean Miller's roster this year and, and what type of things he'll be able to adapt to these new players. So, uh, Thank you for all of your calls, and we'll, we'll talk again soon.